this episode, we're going to talk about covert communication or secure messaging, as I like to call it. This isn't about texting or instant messengers or social media. This is about ways that we can communicate through a series of live drops, dead drops, face-to-face communication to have people find pre-made messages and information about what's happening, where we're going. This is used in a way to have sort of a little crypto system of your own to defeat certain systems that the average person can't do anything about. We'll look at some tips and techniques and different ways to do this, how to send those messages covertly or quietly to somebody else that's interested, and figure out for each one of us what's the best way to have a secure messaging system. That's what we'll talk about right here on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight. Secure messaging has been around a lot longer than the technology we usually associate that term with. That's how people in the clandestine world, as well as people that just like to have fun, tend to pass messages, information, and items through a series of typically live drops and dead drops. While briefly mentioned in, I believe, the live drop and dead drop episode, I will go into more details. It was brought up to me earlier. I didn't quite explain it as well as I thought I did. So what we know is emoticons, little happy faces and stick out tongues and those types of things have actually been around a lot longer than most people realize. Before they got as nice looking as they are now, sometimes they were just as simple as the symbols we now call shortcuts to make them, where you could take, say, a colon and a parentheses, maybe a hyphen in there, and it was supposed to represent a smiley face. Now we know it is a shortcut to make one on some computer systems. Agencies, including the CIA and NSA, actually came together on that as one of their many programs and things they worked with back when we still had plenty of computers, but we didn't have cell phones or at least anything beyond those big brick phones that cost $25 a minute. They would be used in a way to come up with a secure plan to have sort of a cipher text that people could use to send certain types of communication messages and signals to one another, some of which still haven't been decrypted to this day by people who don't know the system. If you think that's not realistic, look at the Culper Ring. Some people call it Culpepper, but it's Culper Ring during the Revolutionary War with Samuel Culpepper Jr. and Sr., which was created with Captain and Major Talmadge, one of the heads of military intelligence in the First Continental Army. There is stuff about them that was never even figured out until the last about 80 or 90 years, some in the last 50 years, not to mention some of their texts and cipher information still hasn't been broken to this day by the best people in the world to do it using computer software designed to crack that type of information. Over time, when that type of messaging was scrubbed using emoticons, those eventually became more prevalent in phones and all this type of stuff, and the information just kind of became a public way to communicate for those that are either lazy or like funny little faces. But that method of communication existed in the 90s, probably in the 80s too, but definitely in the early 90s, long before cell phones were very common to anybody, let alone people who had a lot of money to spend. Another way we see simple communications like this is terrorist organizations. They still do this to this day. One of the biggest targets we have overseas and abroad are internet cafes, which I call them, or they just call them a cafe, which typically does serve coffee, but it's meant to be an internet cafe. It's a common term in Europe and the Middle East, as well as places in Africa. Very simple. What would happen is two individuals or more would have the login and password to an email account, and they would never typically actually send any emails through that account. They would write an email and save it as a draft, and then it would be in your draft folder. Even if you went through, and in most systems even now, set up to just delete after a certain amount of time, tends to delete your deleted items, your junk items, and sometimes your sent items, but very rarely, unless you have a system that does it or go in and really go after it, they won't delete your draft items regularly. 
and they can stay in there for an indefinite amount of time. The other thing is, depending on how that email works, and a lot of emails like that over there aren't saved in the cloud, they're only saved on local computers, or if they all are saved in the cloud, it depends on where that cloud is. What is the cloud? What is the service? Where are those servers and hard drives maintained? And that's part of how they choose them. Then you could simply write out any message you want, whether you had any sort of crypto system or not, save it in a draft folder, and then somebody could come along later in another part of the world and log into that server, or they could come to that specific computer if it was only there, log in and find that draft and get their message. Add into that any sort of crypto system, even minor to whatever you're writing, any sort of messaging system that requires a cipher, ups the ante a little bit. The other thing too is if you have some sort of pattern you've mildly established of one or more individuals traveling throughout the world, you take people that are not the same but tend to look the same, same height, same build, same clothing style, same complexion, although they're doing all their things necessary to stay out of the view of cameras and get their faces shown, can go in and use those email systems in multiple locations around the world. And if you set up the pattern correctly, you can actually make it look like one or two people are making a consistent pattern of movement when in fact nobody's moving at all. Benefit of that is you might have surveillance, government agencies, military, whoever, starting to track down routes and patterns of how somebody would get somewhere and essentially wasting time and resources and manpower when in fact nobody's traveling at all and it takes people away from searching for these people locally. It's actually very simple to do. It doesn't take a lot of effort and really can screw up your adversary's resources and planning, giving you the upper hand and advantage. One of the things you can do is actually use your own email system or use an email that's different than your main email. Like, for example, I don't think people should only have one email. I think it's retarded with the amount of junk and spam we get these days. I think everybody should have multiple emails. And honestly, if you care about your email at all, the only company you would use would be ProtonMail. There's literally no other service that provides any amount of safe encryption or protection for the average person. All those other ones, no matter what you think they are, they just don't. But whether or not you're using that service, which is the only one I actually recommend to people, you could use Gmail, MSN, Mail.com, some of these other ones. You could even use the mail systems for dating websites or Craigslist, etc. What you want to do is have one that you rarely use, but you can log into on a regular basis to keep a login kind of schedule going. If anybody was to ever check it, most people that ever check this wouldn't know any better. Even local law enforcement in most situations won't figure it out. You want to keep that regular pattern of login times, which are roughly around the same day of the week, a couple times a week maybe, once every couple weeks, where it can shows that you go in and you delete some stuff. Use an email that you might subscribe to something, sign up on a website, somewhere you've shopped, that gets you an additional coupon, something where you're going to get a lot of junk mail, and then you'll show that you're deleting things, and then emptying out your spam folder, and go in and actually go through the process of emptying out your sent items folder, even if there's nothing in there, because it will log that. The other thing, too, is depending on the type of system you have, most anymore, these emails don't get saved locally. They actually are only saved on the cloud, as people call it. So it's hard for anybody to try to recover that as a deleted item off your hard drive, even if the odds of them having that capability or technology is pretty limited. What you're going to do is create a series of draft emails that you want to develop the coding system for. Now, your coding system could simply just be the date in which you did them. Coding system could have something to do with how you title them or what you put them as subjects to be. They could be draft emails that you want to send to one of these businesses You could, in fact, 
have a draft email, however you draft it, and have something almost the same but looks like it's been edited that you actually do send, that you could send to one of these companies you subscribe to. So you subscribe to whatever.com and whatever.com sells widgets and you have a plan on how to have a draft email that looks like it makes sense to be set to whatever.com about their widgets and you save that draft. You then go in, create a new email using the majority of your fake one that has a hidden message in it or itself is a more obvious message than people realize. Do some minor editing and you send it off to the contact help and support team of whatever.com about their widgets, which later you will get a reply. So it shows you're actually using the email a little bit. So the only difficulty in this for most people will be the creativity of framing that email, how you're going to construct it, what you're going to write into it. Now, you don't have to actually send these emails off. That's just an example, especially if you build up dozens of draft emails. You want to do this over time, not necessarily every week. You could do one or two this week. Maybe two weeks later you do one. Maybe in a month you do three. Maybe a couple weeks after that you do one. Think of it like anything else that you want to slowly build up over time. If you try to do it all at once, just the fact there's a record of that will be suspicious. The idea here is actually a more in-depth view, but very similar to a method I talked about in the Live Drop Dread Drop, where I had this series of using just alphanumerics with the alphabet and numbers. C, C3, C17, whatever, they all meant something different. And we could look on our code list and see if it meant a password has changed or use this password now or some other messaging system. You're using something similar, but you're using a written document that's saved on a draft folder that can be accessed from anywhere, not just that home computer, where somebody can go on there and get directions or information. So the idea here is something happens. So let's use, I don't know, something crazy like the end of the world or a bunch of racially charged individuals that are armed insurgents take over portions of cities like we've seen happened. Any of these types of events, something where it's going to cause you to either not be at home or somebody's not going to be home. Somebody's not going to make a situation. Something where there's an important message you need to get across. And it could be something even minor that's not mind-blowing to everybody. But there's a reason why you want to send this message. First, you have to figure out a way to communicate the message they need to find. So it may be through a text using a series of emoticons that's connected to another key somewhere locked in a safe or in a, hopefully not in the same house you're using, maybe in a storage unit or safety deposit box, something like that. It could be just a phone conversation that sounds like it makes sense to anybody else, but the person you're talking to knows something's wrong and that based on you working late on whatever.com's new widgets and your boss who's always a jerk that you don't like, that they know your best friends, Something that tells them, hey, I need to go check this messagey thing. You know, and they write down whatever notes they need to write down because they'll probably write down notes. And in there, you tell them about when you started work or how late you think you'll be. And maybe this series of numbers is connected to the dates of when you wrote your draft email. Or perhaps instead of connected specifically to the date, meaning today I'm recording this on 11 July 2020. Maybe it's not those. Maybe it's a series of a month and a year, and then they have to go to that month and see which draft was written. So maybe you reference something that matches up to May of 2016, and they go to the 2016 May category, and they see there's only one message. Well, they, there's three messages, and they look through them, and based on their titles, they realize one of them's about horticulture, one's about cooking, one's about motorcycles, these draft emails you wrote, and you mentioned that working for whatever.com and their widgets, you realize that you had this crazy idea about how to use it in your garden. So something like this, and they go, oh, that's obviously the horticulture message. So something like this you need to come up with and figure it out. It makes it very simple for that person to understand. 
that most people will not realize, or by the time they do, if they really want to look into it that much, you'll be long gone and the situation to be handled because the average person isn't going to figure this out. And by all means, if anybody's after you or looking for you, they are most definitely average. So now the person you're sending this message to goes in there, they find that horticulture email because what you mentioned in your message, they open up and they read it a few times. And in there it has some questions or perhaps it looks like a draft email you're going to send your great grandma about horticulture relating to a couple of plants and the proper mixtures of potting soil and some other thing to put in the soil or something about how to trim them, something that would make sense. And even better if you have the time and effort to put into to make sure that the numbers you're putting in for measurements make sense. If not, it would still take at least a mild amateur to figure it out, if not an expert. So then what you do, figure out what this message is. So they're looking at this, let's say it's a series of numbers, and it could be an address, it could be a date and time. It could just be a series of numbers or alphabetic keywords that actually go to another key in a book, for example, or another key kept somewhere else. This still has the message in there. So you want to do this with multiple layers of messaging and security to slow down the people that might be trying to track it and figure it out to where they have to figure out where all these locations are before they get to the final message. You don't want to keep it as simple as a decoder ring where you just send one message, you look at it and figure it out. You want multiple layers. So they go through there, they read the information, they got it all ready to go looking at it, they compare it to the phone conversation, look for similarities, however you've instructed them to do it. Perhaps you've even showed them this email before. And then through that, it tells them where they need to go, whether it's an address or location or something referencing whatever. And in there, you mention, well, Grandma, you know, and I found this stuff out about this cactus, you know, because I'm down in the Southwest now. And I remember when Mom had that box with the cactus on it. And then she remembers, oh, yeah, we still have that box with the cactus on it. We keep down the storage unit. So I need to go to the storage unit through that box with the cactus and look in there. So maybe that's all it is. And then you go in there and they have whatever information and maybe in there's the message or maybe in there's an address or maybe in there's another clue. It's almost like a scavenger hunt, like I said, but it's something that you want to make secure and you don't want people to make too many steps if it's pressing an emergency. They need to get out of there. You don't want several layers. If it's just to get important information across, then you want more layers of security. So your security, you're looking at security of stopping somebody from figuring out versus security of how quickly you need to move. This is also the other reason why at the beginning I mentioned don't just make a bunch of these at once. You have to put some time and effort and research in them if you want them to make them real and usable. That's why doing one or two in a week could be a lot. That's a lot for a lot of people. If I really wanted to put the time and effort to it, I'd probably only do three a week and I'd probably do it for a week or two before I backed off because it's too time consuming. Now this is just one method, but remember you can intermix all your methods. I mentioned before in one of the videos that people would pass messages on between spies by the way they would not enlace their shoes that so would send different messages. What if you go to the storage unit, you find the box with a cactus on it, you open it up and there's a shoe in there and the way it's laced is the message. What does that mean? Perhaps there's a key book, key card, something with the decoder ring per se that shows what these lacing patterns mean. And so they see that lacing pattern, they compare it to their little decoder ring and your wife says, oh, this is what this means, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to practice this stuff. So how do you practice it? Practice it for your anniversary. Practice it for a kid's birthday. Use it as a way to make them think, do a little cryptography, make it fun for them. And even if you do that in a way where it's only done for those circumstances and you never told them there might be something real connected to it, then when something real goes along, they'll see something, they'll remember it. Oh my God, this is just like my birthday. 
And then they'll go through the steps and process of finding it, finding whatever the message is or finding you. These can get as elaborate as you want. So let's say, using some of the stuff we talked about before, person drives home. They look at the house, realize some of the potted plants have been moved. Potted plants are a message. I know that means this. That means I go to this location. And after I'm at that location for this amount of time, if it doesn't work, I go to a secondary. So I go to the primary. I'm there. Before that happens, I see something else that is innocuous to everybody else that I know is a message. That is telling me to wait or to go somewhere or to go to my storage unit whatever. And this one tells me to go to some cafe and I know it's an internet cafe. So I go to the cafe. So I know it's an internet cafe. I of course log into my email and I look for a draft. I didn't have anything telling me about what kind of draft there was. So the first thing I'm going to do is look at my most recent draft, find out there was a draft for today. Okay. So probably this is kind of more of an emergency. Then I go and look at my draft and through that process, we start playing scavenger hunt. We end up going to a storage unit or going to some whatever location. And the ball goes down from there and we figure out where A, B, and C is, what the message is, and what we want to do. Now, no matter how difficult you think this is or how elaborate it is, this is very simple. This is the simple way to do it. If you do it much simpler, people can figure it out. You don't want people to figure it out. Some of the situations are far more complex. There's some older ones that are still in use that are far more simple if you completely understand the system. The thing is, using what I'm saying now, especially when you bring in digital stuff like an email, there's so many variables, so many things you can be creative with, so many other messages of coding this and coding that that can make you go through it, that it can get very elaborate more than it needs to be or maybe even not enough sometimes. If you go watch a movie like The Da Vinci Code or whatever the crappy follow-up ones to them were, it's kind of a similar idea. It's essentially was a scavenger hunt. Those aren't too elaborate, really, but what they did hinge the bet on is the expertise of that guy Langdon. So another thing you can do is when you're doing this for somebody or an individual, if they have something they're very passionate about or very specific to them, you can, of course, use that and incorporate it into your method. So if I was going to do this for somebody in my life that was a very stringent, devout follower of a faith that had a religious book like the Bible, I would somewhat incorporate that to it, whether it was a story out of the Bible or chapter and verse, page number, concordance number, if you know what that is, or one of the vines numbers that makes them track that down if it's something that they could follow. You could do the same thing with anything else that somebody's passionate about that completely understands it. The best thing is, too, is you get the information from them what to use. You just don't outright ask them. You have one of those conversations where they're excited about something, they're telling you about it, teaching you about it, and you're keeping track of that information and making notes later. And using that piece of thing that was very special to them, they're very likely going to recall even years down the road as basis or part of the construction of this little hunt of information about how you're hiding things. It could make it easier for them to find and to recall and to know it's more specifically from you. Now, I will tell you one option is to do this with somebody you would possibly pass a message off to, get them to understand the system of what everything means. That's also very scary because unless you're married to them and sure you're not getting divorced, they walk away from the situation and you, that entire process is burned, number one. Number two is the more you tell them, the more they can figure out on their own without having to follow the clues or they might make assumptions and not follow the clues. It could be dangerous for them. Also means that they'll start talking and potentially months or years earlier saying stuff to people they shouldn't say. The most secure way you can do it is using a method based on things that they're more experts or passionate about, like I discussed at the end there, where they can follow that on their own and connect to things like birthdays and special events where they think it might be fun or they can kind of figure out it's from you. 
yeah, you're betting on that they're actually going to do that and follow through with it, but it's far more secure. It's nothing they ever think is going to be real. It's nothing they're going to talk to people about, except for maybe whoever's with them, but they're likely will be somebody they trust, whether they should or shouldn't. Depending on the messaging system and the information they get, they might take it more seriously as they move along, depending on what the situation is, what you're doing. Also, if that person goes away, walks away from the relationship and no longer involved with you, that entire process is not burned. You could simply make minor changes, as long as you didn't make it too specific to them. You could make minor changes, if at all, or leave a couple extra items to help somebody figure it out. So think this over and make a plan. Figure out what kind of important messages would you want to send to somebody if you cannot communicate or it's not safe to communicate. Figure out the most common reasons for that. Something to communicate you're in danger. Something to communicate they're in danger. Something to communicate that you've been arrested. Maybe you would just pick those and then have a couple varying forms of it. You're in danger. Stay home. You're in danger. Go to grandma's house. I'm in danger. I'll be home in three days. I'm in danger. I'm not coming home and I don't know when I will be home. Whatever things are important to you in your life, figure out what those messages are, what you want them to mean. Write down the basic details of those messages. Figure out how you're going to develop your own little coding system, how you're going to set up your draft emails. Then figure out how do you want these messages delivered. You just want a simple point A to point B. They read it, figure out, and knows what it means, and that's it. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Definitely times that's appropriate. Do you want any that are more elaborate that requires them to take a little road trip or go to point A or point B throughout the house like a scavenger hunt? Then include the pieces and information you want in there to make sure that when they see it, they'll know what this means. Once that's in place, go back to the message, the key points you made of the message you want to deliver. Once you have all the other pieces in place, that's important first. Then take the general idea of that message and reconstruct it to match all that information. Don't try to make that information match your message. The message is easier to change. Make that match. What's going to be a way I can write this and frame it in a draft email, for example, to get the message across in order for them to fall through on this. Then you do a test run. Simple test run. Do it to your wife and tell her you're doing it to the wife because you want to do it for your kid's birthday. Once you do a few test runs and a few holidays, you'll probably pretty much get it figured out. Then you can get more elaborate or specific to whatever information you need. Six months to a year from now, you might have a really great little covert messaging system. Don't forget to check the show notes. If you haven't been on Facebook this week, I put up a series of videos of a YouTube channel where they analyze more the psychological behavior, although there's some limited stuff on body language. Not all of it's super correct. There's also other videos on that guy's YouTube. I will warn you if you watch or are going to watch it, let's say. There are some stuff on there where it's very clear he gets a little biased or a little angry, like when he talks about Prince Andrew in regard to Epstein. You know, he throws up little comments about the guy being dirtbag, which is fine. But he gets a little too biased and upset in some of the stuff or kind of stringent. Same stuff I warned about in other books before. So just look out for that. But definitely good videos. They show a lot of good tactics and questioning techniques. They definitely make some presumptions on what the cops are doing. But most of them are fairly accurate to how cops interact. It's real great information. Shows a lot of information about a person that's typically normal may answer in this situation versus how they answered here and why it's suspect. Although at the same time, it does kind of suggest the idea that that definitely should be suspect when there's other things you should probably figure out about the person first. But hey, that's the difference between me and a cop. So good videos. Definitely check those out. Also check out the show notes. Look for the other recommended shows. And we'll be here again soon right here on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight.